The Circling Podcast is proud to be in partnership with Bind Magazine. Claim your $5 annual subscription when you visit bindmagazine.com and enter promo code PODCAST at checkout. Your subscription includes six issues of our region's top publications celebrating mountain culture and four bonus issues of Bend Home and Design, the leading home and building design magazine in Central Oregon. Remember, enter promo code PODCAST at checkout. Welcome to the Circling Podcast, a Central Oregon-focused podcast designed to redefine what it means to be a community, how to invest in each other and the place that we live. Let's encourage each other to go back to the basics. Let's focus on kindness, respect, gratitude, and patience. Let's learn about individuals, local businesses, nonprofits, and service-based organizations that demonstrate the value of service, volunteerism, localism, and community. Let's redefine what it means to support local businesses, to give back to our community, to volunteer. And let's step up and let's get involved in ways we never have seen before. Today's guests, Dan McGarrigal, overall great guy, Loved and respected by his peers and colleagues. And oh yeah, he just happens to own Pine Mountain Sports, a local favorite outdoor retail store. Voted best outdoor store for mountain biking, touring, skiing, backcountry, all that stuff. We also welcome Emmy Andrews, a lover of burritos and Mexican food. Tai Chi and yoga are almost as important to her as her mountain bike. And she did do a stint in media as a radio DJ in college. But most importantly, she happens to be the first executive director of the Central Oregon Trail Alliance, commonly referred to as CODA, a local nonprofit whose mission is to develop, protect, and enhance the Central Oregon mountain bike experience. With all that said, let's jump over to our host, Adam Short. All right, JMO, thank you. Dan, Emmy, thank you for coming on today. Uh, I really appreciate you taking the time uh, this week as I've gotten a chance to learn about you guys. It's been incredibly encouraging and, and impressive what you've done for our community. And I just would like to say thank you. Thank you for providing cool stuff for us to recreate on. And thank you for helping maintain the quality of where we recreate. Um, Dan, I thought that we could start our conversation today uh, having you uh, inform us on the current health of the outdoor retail industry in Central Oregon, but also kind of more focused on the areas that Pine Mountain covers. Um, before you answer that, Emmy, as we mentioned earlier, please uh, chip in with any input or questions you have as we go. And then on the second part of this uh, discussion, we can, we'll, we'll uh, refocus some stuff and focus more on CODA. Sounds good. All right. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So um, again, just you can uh, <clears throat> kind of update us on the current state of the, the outdoor retail industry. Yeah. Uh, sure. Yeah. You know, the outdoor industry over the last year has the term that I use has been under siege. Um, obviously, working our way through COVID, hopefully now seeing the 
the beginning of maybe the end of COVID or at least a, a not so intensive chapter starting. Um, it's been it, it's been an incredible year. Um, I've been in the outdoor industry now for 28 years, and uh, I've never seen anything like this. Um, you know, as as COVID developed, it became very obvious that small outdoor group or individually based outdoor activities were really going to be one of the few ways that people could get out and and feel as though that they've got a, at least an attachment to a community or back to their normal lives or overall just trying to take good care of themselves, both physically, psychologically, all those things that we get out of outdoor recreation. So I would say that probably by last May 2020, the writing was on the wall. We were seeing it as far as whether it was the enthusiasts coming to us, making sure that all of their gear was straight and ready to go and looking forward to summer, or it was new people coming in either to town or coming into the industry and into the market saying, hey, I want to get I want to get outside. It's what I can do. Um, the first thing we saw was really was kids, uh, parents getting kids bikes, parents getting kids outdoors. School was all of a sudden not a Monday through Friday gig. And, um, you know, so parents, of course, wanted to take care of their little ones. Really immediately after that, we saw the teens, we saw the 20-somethings, we saw the full-on adults diving into outdoor recreation. So by last summer, by summer 2022, it was on. And when I say on, we're used to dealing with some volume. We're used to seeing some people. Um, this was unlike anything that I had ever seen yeah. in all my years in doing what I do. And, and do you think that other local uh, bike shops would probably echo that? Oh, yeah. yeah. No, this just wasn't a local thing. This right. was a national, national. thing, maybe right. even to the point of being global. Uh-huh. Um, but, yeah, the bike industry, very quickly, we started to realize that with all the complications that COVID had presented, demand was skyrocketing and still yet the ability to supply products, uh-huh. goods, things along those lines was dissipating. Uh-huh. So um yeah it was uh it was a historical year as far as busyness goes but with it came a lot of unique challenges that nobody could have planned yeah, for. Yeah, no doubt. Uh I, there's this concept I've been thinking a lot about lately it's uh, uh necessity drives innovation. Sure. Okay. Um uh we're coming out of a unique time and and I'm curious if in your area of expertise this outdoor industry specifically you know mountain biking mm-hmm. and, and backcountry skiing uh, have you have you seen any new emerging brands or technologies uh, that um, live in that space that you're excited about? Um, I got to admit, as far as new stuff that came to market in the last year that maybe wasn't there before, I have to admit, not really. Yeah. And I think one of the big reasons why is because everybody started realizing very quickly that where innovation and progressing their offerings is obviously something every not just industry, but vendor needs to do. They were at the point where they understood, hey, we've got to put everything we can into actually manufacturing, into getting those things done, getting things built, getting things delivered. Um, It was, uh, like I said, unlike anything else we've seen. So so what I'm hearing you say is that innovation aspect or R&D in some of these companies might have been put on the back burner to get through the supply needs of COVID. A little bit, yeah, Yeah. sure. I've... I think you bring up a really good point. One thing I've I've been wondering lately is, you know, as in life, timing is everything, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I've noticed there, I feel like there were some brands and some um, projects that were, you know, wrapping up right before COVID hit. Mm-hmm. And because of kind of that lull and 
the world as we know it, it, it kind of provided kind of a cool opportunity and platform for these ideas and brands to launch, you know, in a, in a time yeah. unlike kind of we've ever seen. One of those brands that I just I'm interested in and I'm learning more about is is this uh, the season snow, ski and snowboard brand. Have, are you familiar with this? I'm not, not at all. Um, so there's a, 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 a local pro snowboarder, Austin Smith, and a, and a, a Hood River pro skier, Eric Pollard, started a, a it's called Season Snowboards, uh, and it's a it's a collaboration I think through Evo. Okay. Uh, and basically their motto is blank, simple, never expires, service included for life, a product, more access to entry. So what they're building on, and this kind of, this is, this is an example of kind of one of those brands, I think that, that is, uh, resonating with people now is growing up, you know, there, and, and I think in our, in, in our, in our community, there's, I know with my kids, there's all, there's a lot of pressure for kids, you know, to have the best and and there's a lot of expensive gear where we live right sure and there's a lot and 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 we're fortunate enough because there's a lot of you know wealth and privilege where we live and and that there's nothing wrong with that but keeping it in perspective but what this brand is doing is they're kind of taking away all the external indications of differentiating their product from last year. So every every year, the shapes of these boards and skis don't really change much. Correct. And there's no, specifically for this company, there's no change in graphics. It's just black and blank. And the reason being, you know, if you take away, oh, you, you don't have the new graphics on the new board, that's going to, you know, hopefully allow some more people to stay involved, you know, and not succumb to some of the peer pressures, especially as kids grow, you know, sure. uh, it's cool, man. I just, I didn't, that, that's a, a company that I was curious about. Um, yeah. Any other kind of industry trends before we move on that, that you're excited or concerned about? Um, no, but, but, you know, as I was now thinking about what I had just said, I would tell you that over this year, we have seen some innovations come. Yeah. Because those innovations actually were probably started planning two years, three exactly. years ago. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the industry uh, responds with innovation in the next two years. How much of the focus on manufacturing is actually going to inhibit or pull some resources away from stuff that we'll see down the road? But overall, you know, both the industries that we really focus on being backcountry skiing and mountain biking and cycling in general. Um, it's, it's been one crazy, crazy yeah, ride. Yeah. yeah. You could probably create a, a whole uh, series of shows just on that. Oh yeah. Uh, you ever think, have you been journaling or taking notes through this process? No, not yeah. at all. Is that something that you do? Not as an individual really, yeah. but you know, the one thing that I do do is, um, I keep these notebooks that are basically the lifeblood of what I do in my role as, as owning Pine Mountain Sports. The front pages, those are the things I got to do today. The back pages are the meetings and the plans. And then as those pages all meet in the middle, I started a new notebook. Well, and right now my stack of notebooks is probably a fo- – <laughs> it's a foot and a half tall of blank notebooks with a couple pages left in them. Yeah. But I do like to go back to those and see about the things that started off as a as a thumbnail sketch or, right. or a rough idea or a quote of a, of a great uh, a statement in business that kind of resonates. And then look at where we are now. And maybe we never integrated those things. Maybe we actually integrated some of them for a small time. And then there's those real true, those nuggets, those ones that it started off as something I read on a bumper sticker 
that we integrated into a training program that became part of the foundation and the fabric of who our business is. Yeah, let's talk about those because I think sure. I might know what you're talking about. Yeah, please. Um, I would I would argue that uh, you and your team at Pine Mountain have figured out a way to use retail sales to do a lot more than just retail sales. Sure. Uh, I want to, I want to talk about this. I want to start with, uh, you have two programs, uh, that, that I want to explore with you, um, that it seem unique to Pine Mountain. Um, the first being the trail ambassador program. Yep. Uh, you describe the trail ambassador program on your website as, as, uh, in place of matching cycling kits. And for those of you who may not know, cycling kits, are commonly uh, what are referred to uh, when people are wearing, quote-unquote, spandex and a cycling jersey. Sure. Um, so, uh, in place of matching cycling kits and racing bikes, our team of trail ambassadors are supplied with extra tubes, tools, current trail info, first aid kits, and trail knowledge. Yeah. Tell me more. Sure. Well, um, you know, I think... I think a lot of that actually comes from just our general perspective as far as how do we participate in, in the community and not to take anything away from teams and the, the you know, you, you see a Peloton of folks going by that are all from the same shop or all from the same team. It's It actually makes a pretty yeah, big it's, impact it's on cool. you. it's cool. Yep. It's super cool. Yeah. Or, you know, you go to a race and there's 30 people hanging right. out all, you know, well, that's that crew and that's this crew. And we really realize that there's value in that. But we also realize that there's a much larger number of people that never find themselves in those kits or never go to those races and hang out with 30 people that happen to all be sponsored by whoever it might be. But a lot of those folks are also having a big impact on our community. And so we started wrapping our head around, well, how do we support them and how do we utilize them? And so we came up with this idea of trail ambassadors. Uh, it really started off by roughly identifying – 10 or 12 people in the community that we knew made a good impact out there. They're the people that stop and help each, help people. They're the folks that fix flat tires and give out trail information and, you know, gosh forbid, might even volunteer and do a, a code of trail work party more than once or twice a year. Yeah. Can you, is, is that an accurate statement, Emmy? Yeah. I'm pretty sure our chair, our current like chairman of the board yeah. is one of the Pine Mountain Trail Ambassadors, yeah. Bruce nice. Schroeder. Yeah. 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 Wonderful. Yeah. And, you know, so you talk about good people out there doing great things. Yeah. And I really do believe that, that every day in our community, there are a, you can't possibly count the number of good people that are doing great things. And, you know, if you pass Bruce in Newport Market, you would never know that that guy has literally logged probably tens of thousands of volunteer hours. Blood, oh, yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, the trail network is so much due to things he yeah. has done, right? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. you would never know. A, yeah, that, that's a concept, right? I mean, right now it's almost like one guy does, let's call it 90% of the work, right? How about we start doing like 10 people do, nine people do 10% of the work. Does that come out right? <laughs> well, I, you know I, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, if we yeah. can find more of that. Yep. Wow. Yeah. You know? Well, I think at CODA, we estimate probably at least 30 people a day do something in a volunteer capacity for CODA, like as no a kidding. minimum. Yeah. Now, is that in all of the chapters or just? Across our, yeah. 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 So that would be yeah. in just total. It's massive. Cool. Yeah, yeah. But that 30 people volunteering time yeah. every day. Yeah. So right. at and, least. And I really like, you know, I mean, 
I grew up in a culture where you were identified by what you were wearing or the stickers you had on this or, you know, and and that, you know, when I moved back to central Oregon, I got pretty heavily involved in mountain bike racing, you know, big dude, but you know, I'm a Clydesdale. That's what they call us, you know, over 200 pounds. And, uh, I've realized that there's that kind of same culture of like I being identified by your kit or mm-hmm. your bike or, you know, and, and I like this kind of stepping back and like, you're still identified, but you're identified more for the value that you're bringing to the community rather than your individual skills on a bike. And that's what I feel like the trail ambassador kind of, you select people that kind of see it that way. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, it, it's by invite only. Yeah. Um, since our original one, we've actually, now built two teams of trail ambassadors. That's cool. And, uh, you know, for us, quite honestly, it's one of those small ideas. Started off with some scratchy uh, words on some paper, turned into a crew, built it into a team. Now we've got these two wonderful uh, teams of volunteers and ambassadors that help us out and facilitate rides. Yeah. But are also out there on the trails just setting that example right. of – Stewardship. Yeah. How to carry yourself. How do you want an interaction on a trail to be? Well, we believe in these people and that they are putting out the right message when they're on the trail. Let's support them. Let, yeah. Let's let's acknowledge them. Let's get them involved. Let's help them. Yeah, it's cool, man. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah, it's really cool. I, I'm curious, um, was this kind of a collective idea? Were you influenced by an individual or, or was this kind of just – it was a process that kind of over time has just defined itself. Um, that Wow, that's a, that's a great question. Um, I would tell you that it's a little bit of both. Um, it was the first part of – at the time when we really first did this, we realized that around Bend, there was a lot of spandex flying around, a lot of teams. And where inside those teams, I think it feels inclusive. And real quick, when Please. was the genesis of this? Oh, geez. We're probably talking 05, 06, mm-hmm. maybe 7. So, you know, it's hard. Yeah, 13, 14 years. It's been a while. Yeah. yeah. And and the crazy thing is, is that of, of all of the people that are in our Trail Ambassador crew, I think there might be one that's still with us from the, origi- from the originals. Okay. And then with the ladies' version of that, the uh, women that support our women's program and those Trail Ambassadors – um, there's two of them that have been with us now for I think eight or nine years, mm-hmm. and the fun and, and that, see now you guys got me rambling. No, it's perfect, but, brother. But the funny thing about it is, is that Just don't don't cuss so much. I'll try not <laughs> yeah, to. Thank you. Right, I'm going to try to. I, I'm like I'm literally holding my fingers up, saying like, don't say more than three cuss words today. Um, but the funny thing is, is that in running into trail ambassadors and seeing them in the store lately, not only do they talk about missing being able to facilitate rides or get out and do organized stuff that we need our support with. They literally talk about missing riding with other members from their crew. You know, it's just, it's kind of that feeling of like, Hey, we're a great band, but we haven't been able to get the band together lately. And they want to get the band back together. Yeah. And that to me, just, those are those things that make me so happy because what they're telling me is, is that, They've worked long enough side by side with each other that not only do they work well together and are able to facilitate getting other people out on the trails, but that they actually truly, as silly as it sounds, love and care about each other. They've become friends. And that's – I think that ultimately for me, that's the best compliment you can get is that they've built this camaraderie and they have these years behind them of working together, being together and – they still love each other, care about each other, yeah. and they're all on that same page of being a good steward out on the trail, participating in the community, 
and it seems to be really valuable yeah. for them. It's that's, humbling. That's awesome, man. Yep. Um, do the you mentioned you have two separate groups now? Mm-hmm. Do they ever? Do you guys ever have like a little friendly competition amongst the groups? No, <laughs> no, <laughs> haven't done anything that says, "Hey, let's pit these folks against these folks." Some of these, some of these cyclists have to race. They do, yeah, yep. and I'm I'm sure there's some pretty fast ones. There are, yeah, yeah, and I, and some of those ambassadors race all the time, yeah, and some of them don't, don't ever, ever race, yeah. But the one thing in common is they all ride, yeah. and they're all great people, yeah. And that's the point I wanted you to make. Yeah. So well Thanks. done. Thanks. Cool, man. It's it's a really cool program, and I would I would strongly encourage uh, our listeners to to get on the Pine Mountain website and and take a look at it, see how. Um, you know, if this lines up with things that uh, align with you, maybe it's uh, worth taking the next step. The other program, Dan, uh, I wanted to, to mention, which is, in my opinion, even even neat, neater. Is that a word? Uh, <laughs> more funner. Yeah, more funner. Um, <laughs> isn't there a mountain bike trail name? Oh, yeah. Uh, this, this sense of uh, this idea of a community ambassador program. Sure. Now, this is incredible. And I had never I, I, I never knew this. Um, again, uh, as, as described on your website, uh, the commu- community ambassador program is, def- is described as, uh, uh, as our population increases, the needs and demands of our social services here in Central Oregon are also increasing. We believe at Pine Mountain Sports that it's our responsibility to embrace and support those who are working hard to serve our neighbors with real needs, and we need your help. Um, Tell us more about the Community Ambassador Program. Sure. Because this is really cool. Yeah. Well, thanks. Thanks. Um, So here we go. Um, We really always have looked at, or at least for a very long time, looked at Pine Mountain Sports. And lots of organizations use this term as a bus. And you want to get the right right players in the right seats, build an awesome bus. Um, Fortunately for me, I get a steer. You know, where are we going? What are we doing? And one of the things that I've always felt so grateful about, about living here in Central Oregon is just living here in Central Oregon. You know, to to your point earlier, Adam, you had mentioned about, you know, outdoor recreation and the quality of life and, you know, the safety that we feel in our own community. But we also realize that there's lots of needs in our community. And the philosophy is that generally speaking, the majority of the customers that walk into our store and are engaged in the outdoor community, engaged in outdoor recreation, for the most part, a lot of us are doing just fine. We don't have those needs about where am I going to live next year? What school is my kid going to go to? Do I have food to put on the table? Are my kids' clothes too small and I can't get them new clothing? Hey, I've got health issues, whatever it might be. But we've always believed that we should be able to use Pine as an organization to support our our community as a whole, not just the community that serves us. Yeah. Um, and uh, as silly as it sounds, um, I was listening to an of all things, a Pearl Jam bootleg one yeah, time. Yeah, buddy. And Eddie Vedder gets up there and he starts talking about participating and, and getting involved with your local community and making a difference. And he said it so simply. One of the best things that you can do is simply to give. That's it. Just give, whether it's you're giving your money, and that's actually a pretty easy thing to give sometimes. Give your time. Much harder. Now you're talking. You know, that's yep. that's a whole nother ballgame. Totally, dude. But the moment you do, it kind of feels like 
you're at a strange town and you walked into the right restaurant and that moment you did it, you're like, oh yeah, this is where I'm supposed to be. We believe it's the same thing about participating and giving back to the community. Yeah. It, it can look daunting on a calendar. Oh geez, I could have gone and done this on Saturday with my bros, but instead I'm going to go do this and volunteer. And you kind of sort of begrudgingly or with some hesitancy, you know, start going towards that event or whatever it's supposed to be, the meetup. And you get there and you're like, what else would I be doing? This is awesome. Right. There's awesome people here. We're, we're all on the same page. We all want to participate and give back to our community. Yeah. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Bin Magazine's The Circling Podcast is proud to be supported by Boss Sports Performance. Visit BossSportsPerformance.com and learn how Boss is committed to helping athletes of all ages and all ability levels reach their fullest athletic potential through science-backed and evidence-based strength and conditioning with no gimmicks, no fads, and no shortcuts. Boss Sports Performance, inclusive to everybody and everybody. Book a class online. The first time's free. Yeah, I, I I don't know where I read it this year. I've listened to so many podcasts this last year. It's crazy. Um, uh, but this this concept of just show up. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's something I've been talking to my kids a lot, you know? And, and it's something that pretty much I've noticed I, prior to when we started recording, you guys, I overheard you guys talking about defining success, right? Yeah. I think just showing up is the kind of the bedrock to that. Sure. Because if you don't show up, you don't know what opportunities what you, you could potentially be missing out on. You yeah. know, some of the best I love historical sports documentaries. Yeah. And some of the best ones all have this theme of, you know, just showing up. You know, being the first one to practice, the last one to leave, being putting the extra work in and yep. just, you know, creating opportunity, but also, you know, showing up when it's a the weather is bad and, and some days those are the biggest, you know, achievements in personal growth or yeah. growth in your discipline. It's cool, man. Thanks. So, uh, you have this goal on, on the, on the Pine Mountain site. It's, uh, talks about, and basically just think, uh, if 200 community members, families, or businesses pledge $500 a year, that would be a hundred thousand dollars for that year's designated nonprofit that you partner with through community ambassador program. When I read that, I thought to myself, yeah, that's, that's, I'm, I'm all about setting good goals. And then I started looking at the numbers of, uh, that you've been able to raise, you know, mm -hmm. including this last year. Yeah. And buddy, we're talking real money and it's really cool. Thanks. So Thanks. I, if you're okay with it, I would like to briefly share with the listeners kind of the last six years of yeah. what you've been able to raise through Pine and where it's gone. Totally. So in 2016, which I believe was the first year that- Casa. The, yeah. Yep. So it was uh, Casa of Central Oregon and you raised 23,000 bucks. Yep. It's amazing. Thanks. 2017, uh, Volunteers in Medicine was the benefactor. That's an organization that I don't directly participate with, but I've been involved with before sure. through volunteer or pro bono surgeries, that type of stuff. And yeah. it's, it's an amazing organization. So you were able in 2017, you were able to um, partner with them and raise uh, over 34 grand. Yep. 
2018, $65,000 for Family Access Network. Amazing organization. Amazing. Yep. My, my wife's a school psychologist for the Bin Lapine District, and she works with the FAN Network a lot. And I was sharing that with her last night. And, and we've had friends over the years that have been involved. And that's, that's a lot of money, man. Thanks. Uh, and it just, you know, it came from an idea. You know, that's what's even more impressive. And it's impressive to see that, you know, obviously not everybody, but a fair amount of people jumped on board with that yeah. vision. And yep. that's what the, that's what it's about. That's yep. what this is about, yep. getting more people to do that. Uh, 2019, uh, 73380 uh, bucks for Cascade Youth and Family Center. Yep. 2020, $60,754 for Saving Grace Community, Oregon. Yep. And in 2021, you've partnered with Family Kitchen, um, which was founded in 1986 by uh, four local Bend women who began providing free meals to community members in Bend when the old mill shut down. 35 years later, they're still going, and they're serving over 5,000 meals per month. Yep. So how tell tell us about how you create these relationships with some of these community organizations? Sure, sure. Well, I, I got to admit the the whole thing really started with Casa. Yeah, and that was simply because one of our staff members at the time his his wife was working for Casa and they needed help, and John came to us and said, "Hey, how can we help them?" And where we've had lots of other ways where we could, if I could, take from one effort to feed another. Um, we didn't feel as though that was the appropriate thing to do. So we simply started this whole community ambassador program. And in a way, kind of like our trail ambassador program, we sat down, we wrote out a list. Who can we call and actually hit up to help out CASA? Yeah. And um, we tell people that as they get on the list, we'll keep calling them. They can tell us no, but we won't take them off the list and t- until they say, hey, you got to take me off this list because I don't want to do this anymore. That's kind of how I've been with this podcast. <laughs> right, right. Once, <laughs> once you're on, you're not getting off. <laughs> Unless you tell me quit it. Yeah. And J-Mo can attest to that because I bombard him with, uh, you know, uh, emails and texts and phone calls uh, all the time. Yeah. So uh, well, t- to answer the question, though, we we basically every January, we open it up on social media and we ask people to nominate a nonprofit that we should consider to be that year's beneficiary. The nonprofits, it's really simple. They got to help provide access to food, shelter, healthcare, uh, education. Um, if it's if it's anything but those things, chances are we're not going to really look at them. We're talking about people here in our community that need real help. Tangible needs. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about kids going to school hungry. That right. happens every day in Central Oregon. Unacceptable. Correct. Yeah. There's over 3,000 homeless in Central Oregon and over 300 of them are children. Unacceptable. Yeah. I mean, you know, as as parents, you hear that and you, you, what? What are you talking about? There's a kid sleeping in a van trying to get to school tomorrow. There's a mom in a tent out on Cooley Road who's trying to figure it out. You know, I look at us as an organization I look at the outdoor community of Bend. I look at the overall community of Bend. And I know that there's a lot of people out there that want to help or have the resources to help that literally just need the guidance. They need somebody to say, hey, we've done the vetting. Here's an organization that really actually helps put clothing on kids, put foods in bellies, make sure that people are getting health care that they need. And 95% of the time when we ask people, especially folks that we're coming to for the first time, the first thing they say is, thank you for inviting me. I've always wanted to give back. You've made it real easy. Yep. 
And so we see these numbers grow. We've seen participation grow. And yeah, our goal is 100,000 bucks a year. We would love to that within the next eight, nine, 10 years, we believe that we can put a million bucks back in, yeah. back in Bend. Well, I, I buddy, I, I think, I don't think there's any reason not to believe that. I right. mean, if you look at the, the trends, uh, you know, over the, in the six years, you've gone from, uh, you know, 23,000, which is a lot of money in the first year sure. to, at, to, you know, damn near 75,000, um, just four short years later. Yeah. That's pretty impressive. Thanks. Yeah, you guys should be super proud of that. Thanks. Yeah. It, it, it's it, it sounds all great and everything, well, but, but uh, it, it, it also really comes down to us just yeah. harvesting the relationships we have and maybe spending about 100 to 150 hours a year working on this program. That's a good return on your investment. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Cool, man. Um, very quickly, because I just think it's cool. You, uh, Pine Mountain has invested in a fair amount of solar panels on the roof that, yeah. uh, cover about half the month's utilities. Uh, about 80%. 80%. Yeah. Okay. Well, then you need to update your website, homie. Okay. Yeah. Cool. We will. Uh, and then also you have two electric cars. Oh, we have one now. One. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cause I remember when Michelle, your wife, yeah. uh, was working with my son Holden. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. She would drive one of those yep. and pull it, you know, I'd come home from work and there'd be a pine mountain car in the driveway. <laughs> and I'm like, that thing's cool. Yeah. You thanks. Know? Thanks. Yeah. So, um, no, and that, that actually comes from our, our guy who's our director of marketing, Henry. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, every year I'm like, Hey Henry, what do you need this year? What do you, need? and one year he's like, Dan, I need a car. I'm like, uh-huh. Okay. Well, let's get you a car. One year he asked for a computer. And I was like, that's easy. Yeah. And then the next year he's like, we need to get solar panels on yeah. pine. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's turned out to be one of those things that yeah. not only makes sense, but also then sets an example to other businesses, owners in town. Actually, we've worked with the city of Bend, talking to them about getting solar panels on all their firehouses. And um, it it's all of these little things that tell the story about who we are. Yeah. And yeah. We value that greatly. Yeah. It's cool, man. Well, I, I'm... You should be proud of yourself, bud. And I, and I don't, you know, I think uh, we as a community need to give each other more positive feedback when we, you know, more validation of what you're doing is, is you know, good on you. So Thanks. good on you. Thank you. Um, cool, bud. All right. Miss Emmy Andrews. You've been very quiet. <laughs> She's been patient. Thank yeah. you. I've been See, letting Dan have the spotlight. Blah, blah, He's great. blah, blah, yeah. blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I second all the thanks. Pine Mountain is one of the biggest givers of all time to Coda as yeah. well. So thank you. you yeah. Thank you. Well, thank you back, Emmy. Uh, you went to Duke. I did. Yeah. A long, what feels like a lifetime ago. Blue Devil. Can I yes. sell you out when? Do what? Can I sell you out? Sell me out. Oh, when you, like, went, to when you went to Duke. Like, oh, like, 94 to 98. That's right. So now yeah. I feel old. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, you know, I graduated high school in 97. So, you okay. Know, we're there you all go. Within then there you're somewhere. the oh, baby. On, Dan, yeah. <laughs> um, my dad went to Duke. Oh, yeah. awesome. Yeah. Okay. Rest in peace, Tom Short. Uh, graduated. I looked this up because I'm like, when did dad graduate from Duke? When I read that you did 1956 with the bachelor's of science in geology. Cool. Yeah. I had a really hard first semester and I asked around what was the easiest major and people said sociology or art history. And I didn't know what sociology was. So I majored (laughs) in art history. (laughs) Well, I mean, there's some, a lot of, uh, artistic thought that goes into designing mountain bike trails. (laughs) 
Yeah, I guess I've found a way there to you go. use that. Uh, so then you followed up your uh, undergraduate with uh, some graduate work at University of San Francisco. You got a master's in environmental management. You spent a fair amount of time at um, uh, a company, I believe, in the Bay Area. Is that right? Tetra Tech? Well, it's based in Pasadena, oh, but okay. I never lived in Pasadena. It's a worldwide environmental and engineering yeah. consulting firm. Yeah. And you were, correct me if I'm wrong, you were um, a environmental project manager focusing on natural resource surveys and management planning biological surveys and impact assessment. Yes, that is That seems like a really good uh <laughs> precursor to taking over the Central Oregon Trail Association. Well, it's been it's been really interesting, right? Cuz there's a regulation called the National Environmental Policy Act and it basically requires the federal government to analyze the impacts that its actions are going to have on the environment and that's a lot of what I did was do yeah. those analyses. And now I'm sort of on the other side of the table with my work at CODA, where the projects we've proposed to the Forest Service and BLM for new trails are all sort of hung up needing this NEPA analysis, which often just because of understaffing and stuff takes many, many years. So now I sort of see what it looks like right. on the receiving end of this yeah. law. It's very interesting. It's like, uh, it's like ordering pizza your whole life and then being the delivery guy. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought about it that way, but <laughs> it's yes. a great analogy. <laughs> I've used that analogy so many times because uh, it's true. I did, I moved to Salt Lake City in 98 and delivered pizzas, 97. And it was, I learned so much just from walking into people's lives every mm-hmm. night. You or know? maybe it's the opposite. Maybe I was the guy making the pizza yeah. and now I'm the person now at home waiting home for waiting my for pizza yeah. <laughs> and it's taking forever. <laughs> All right. Um, I would like you to talk to us, Emmy, about the reality of running a growing nonprofit organization on primarily volunteer labor. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Bin Magazine's The Circling Podcast is brought to you by Back Porch Coffee Roasters. Back Porch offers high-quality coffees that are ethically sourced directly from family-operated farms and freshly roasted and brewed in Bend, Oregon. Visit BackPorchCoffeeRoasters.com to learn more, or better yet, stop into one of their four locations in Bend and experience coffee as it's meant to be. Yeah, great. So maybe just for folks that don't know CODA. Yeah. So CODA started in 1992. So we're 30 years next year is our 30th it's anniversary. Yeah. yeah. And it just started because these trails were appearing in the forest and the Forest Service wanted a group to be a liaison to sort of understand what was happening and sort of make it all official and above board with their multiple goals you know they're also managing for wildlife and things like that so they wanted to understand where these trails were going and not have them going into sensitive areas and destroying other resources and so that's how coda began and now we are up to managing hundreds and hundreds of miles of single track trails throughout central oregon like over in prineville and up in madras and just every all around central yeah oregon. i want to talk about the chapters uh, do you have a rough estimate of, of more of an accurate total mileage that you guys are kinda... i think the mileage that we maintain is between four and five hundred miles the total mileage is 
more like 900 because, you know, we don't do anything in wilderness. We, right. There are multiple trails that just have other stewards yeah. because of the way things have yeah. evolved. But yeah, so that's, so until January of this year, we were doing all of that on completely volunteer labor. It was, it was all volunteers and it was basically our board of directors, just so many needs of things that needed to get done and just people picking up like, all right, I'll do that. I'll do that. I'll do that. But a lot of things not really getting done in a timely manner or the best that they could get done and not being able to take on extra work and, you know, more people using the trails and just kind of feeling ourselves as an organization falling behind. And it just, the model that we had had of being all volunteer, not quite working as well and help and not allowing us to meet the demand. So then I was hired. I have been on CODA's board of directors since 2016, but then in January I was hired to be the first staff person and executive director. So it's only been a little over five months of me yeah. trying to say, okay, you know, we have this organization that functions in a certain way, but we know we're not at optimum functioning. So what does that transition look like? And, you know, how do we keep it, keep volunteers to be a core part of it and, you know, leverage those volunteers better, but also involve more people, build more community among those volunteers, yeah. make it rewarding and fun for them, but also look at, are there additional places where we need staff, just things that aren't really great for volunteers to do? You know, some of the sometimes I'm just doing data entry or something really right. boring. And I'm like, maybe this is better that this is a staff job or or just a staff to keep keep you everything mean, rolling. Mean it's not always like humping out on the trail with a shovel and a rake. And, you know, I know it's yeah. actually this afternoon. I actually am going out. We're going to map a sort of social trail network and oh, cool. with the Forest Service. But rarely, honestly, I probably get out on the trails myself personally uh, once every few weeks. And it's mostly me doing all the – I kind of picture myself like an orchestra conductor, right? Yeah. And then the people that play the violins and play the drums are the, the volunteers. Yeah, well, I mean, you're a leader. I mean, yeah. that's that you're a leader. You're you're the leader of this organization. I'm trying and, and, to and, lead these you know, people. You are. You're not only the leader. You're the first, like, defined leader. It sounds mm-hmm. like, and that's yeah. you know, I mean, that's an incredible opportunity, and probably it would probably keep me up at night sometimes thinking about. Oh, I am. Uh, yeah, I'm three o'clock in the morning, and uh, my brain starts spinning. I have to yeah. get up and write things down. It's crazy, but I want it to keep the the culture that it has, you know, I don't want it to be like. And when you say you want it, what do you mean? Coda. Coda. Yeah. I want the organization to still have the, the sort of fun, almost a little bit renegade chaotic culture that it has Mm -hmm, and, and let people participate in that. Cause I don't want to just be like, all right, now I'm in charge and everything's going to change. No, no, I (laughs) I think if anything, you foster that more. Yeah. You know, you encourage people that are because, you know, in my observation, as I get older in life, people are there's a lot of similarities amongst people groups, you know, and and there's a lot of people that have probably relocated or moved to Central Oregon uh, that are very very much reflect the type of people that are already involved in CODA that live here now that again, just kind of, it comes back to them getting, t- you know, plugged into an opportunity to get involved. So mm-hmm. I, yeah. I think that I'm excited for you. Well, I, mean, and from- I, would, I would actually say that that is a challenge that CODA has had. And that I think smaller nonprofits than CODA have even more is 
honestly think Central Oregon people are really willing to donate their time, but the organizations are so running on a shoestring a lot of times yeah. that it's hard to leverage that. Like we have people, we have a steady stream of people that write us, contact us and say, Hey, how can I help? And half the time we're so busy. We're like, okay, hold that thought right. for like a month while we figure right. out what we can do with you. you yeah. Know? <laughs> and then, and then that, that was via a email that gets forgotten about. And I've noticed it's almost like the more ways that we've created to, com- to, to communicate, we could actually communicate less. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. Uh, so how is running um, a, a nonprofit organization and growing that, especially one like CODA that has a lot of growth demands, how does that differ for you than in a way like for Dan, where he's growing a business with paid employees? Yeah. Well, one of the things is for volunteers, I mean, you know, most employees, they're going to work a lot of hours a week. Right. They're going to work 20 hours, 30 yeah. hours, 40 hours. Volunteers, a lot of them want to work 10 hours a month, right? right? So how do you divide the tasks that there are in a way that is going to work for the amount of volunteer time that people have to give and, you know, give them something meaningful to do and something that helps the organization without, you know, when I onboard a volunteer, it's it's like a one-to-one of my time and their time for, for a while until they get to the point that they can run with a task. And so, you know, how do you work with that. So that's one of the main differences I see is just having shorter amounts of people's time and trying to divide the work up in that way. Um, Yeah. But I think a lot of the, probably a lot of the things are really similar is like, what is sustainable growth? Like how do we stay focused on our mission and our goals? Like, you know, just those kind of things I imagine are actually pretty similar between a a business and and our organization. Yeah. You guys have, um, a unique relationship it, it and i don't know you can correct me if i'm wrong it seems like it might have started kind of professionally through mountain biking maybe i don't know and grew into more of like a personal slash professional relationship probably you, started with me as a customer of oh, my customer. Mountain. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> buying my first ever Your i grew up in summer. alabama so i never skied really yeah, until nice. i moved here and um so i bought two pairs of skis as Thank i you. got learned how to ski and a couple different bikes and yeah so i think that's i mean pine mountain that's one of the things it's like when you're a customer of pine mountain you don't just walk in and walk out like dan right. will literally be like oh yeah emmy right <laughs> like oh yeah. how do you know emmy oh because she comes in the store uh-huh. so that's yeah. really special yeah it, it uh yeah you've created a really uh welcoming culture and, and environment in that store um there's this concept that doesn't really, it kind of exists sort of, but, you know, I grew up hanging out in skateboard shops, sure. you know, and so I think you did too, oh, yeah. man, you know, yeah. and, and I would, I would, I don't know if you've ever tried to draw on, on that sense of like, I want this shop to feel like, you know, you know, skateboard shops were like the place to hang out yeah. when we were kids, yep. you know, because of that sense of community. And that, you feel that way, right? Oh, I do when oh, I go into Pine Martin. You, you know, I never even thought of the whole skate shop thing. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, we used to, yeah, you know, even growing up in northern Indiana, we had one or yeah. two skate shops. And, you know, you'd walk in and all of a sudden, you, you kind of like you're walking into the right restaurant. Right. I'm in the right place. Yeah, totally, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Emmy, I was reading, t- talk to us uh about the difference because you're an expert in this field between nonprofits and not for profit. 
Nonprofit and not for for profit. profit. Oh, and for profit. No, yeah, no, yeah. no. Like, well, that too. But is is there a difference? Because I, I in my in my preparation for this and, and learning about nonprofits and and also just basically because this show is going to be working with a lot. I've been trying to understand. There's nonprofits and then there's not hyphen for hyphen profits. Oh, and then there is for profits, and yeah. that's how it is categorized based on tax reasons now and i didn't know that i thought it was basically just you know 501c3 yeah that's what and i i think there are and and maybe this is going too deep into the weeds i just thought it was interesting (laughs) um because with you being coda's first paid position correct Mm -hmm. yeah according to my resource uh, that transitions one from a not-for-profit to a non-profit I mean, nothing about our technical status has changed other than we are now also an employer. Right. We are not just and, – and employment law does not make a distinction between nonprofit and for-profit. You're still bound by all the same employment laws. So, you know, you're paying payroll taxes. You owe your employees all the same sort of um, non-discrimination. Yeah. And, well, no, not benefits. Oh, not you can benefits. elect – a for-profit business can also elect not to have certain benefits for yeah. their employees depending on their size. And I mean, I'm not an expert actually in this realm, but okay. um, but yeah, so uh, CODA is still a 501c3 organization. We just now employ people. And there's right. nothing that says that a nonprofit can't be an employer. I mean, you think about large nonprofits like the Red Cross or oh, for sure. I mean, they employ hundreds no, yeah. of people. So I, yeah. I think this, this, uh, this source was more just differentiating um, and we don't, we don't, yeah, I've never actually anymore. heard that a- distinction, but <laughs> as, what, what, what are they? Nonprofits run like a business and try to earn a profit, which does not support any single member. Not for profits are considered recreational organizations that do not operate with the business goal of earning revenue. Huh. huh. Interesting. Where is that? Oh, that was- uh, good question. I failed okay. to write down my source. <laughs> it, it was, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's move on. Um, <laughs> All right. I want to spend some time on the other chapters of CODA. Um, So CODA's mission to review is to develop, protect, and enhance the Central Oregon mountain bike experience through trail stewardship, advocacy, collaboration, and education. Um, I guess prior to this conversation, you know, again... Uh, ignorance. I'll be the first to raise my hand. I just always assumed CODA was associated with Bend only, but mm-hmm. that is far from the case. Right. Um, so there are currently, I believe, a total of six chapters. Yep. Um, tell us about some of the highlights of the other CODA chapters. And, and for yep. those people that might live closer to those chapters, they can still get involved in the same way. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll just name them. It's like Bend, Redmond, Madras, Sisters, South Deschutes County, and Crook County, which mm-hmm. is centered in Primeville. So those are the six. And um, one thing just sort of overall that we're seeing is, I mean, people immediately think of the trail system west of Bend. And, you know, that's the Bend chapter. But like that fills like trailhead. Yes. Yeah. And everything up there, the right. Winoga trails right. and everything. And that trail system is really pretty mature. There are a lot of trails in those woods. Uh-huh. And so while Coda's working with the Forest Service, who is the manager of those lands west of Bend, to make some changes and add some additional trails, you know, we're not going to see 
hundreds of miles of additional trails in that network just right. because of the you know wildlife need a place and every you know different users need a place to play and so that trail system's mature so it's really in the other chapters where we're getting the traction to grow the trail network so there are a lot of things happening out in the Crook County chapter the Ochicos is just practically a blank canvas right. the Ochico National Forest and they've done a lot of work in collaboration with other recreational groups and stakeholders yeah. to sort of make a plan for more trails in the Ochico National Forest. And those are sort of starting to come online and will be over the next That's gonna be amazing. five, 10 years. Yeah, it's going to be, people are going to be going to yeah. the Ochicos to ride and to yep. recreate, recreate in all different ways. Yeah. So yeah. have you spent much time out there? Now? Oh yeah. 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 No, yeah. it's, it, and it's, you know, the funny thing is, is that it feels like it's a world away yeah. and it's a 60 <laughs> minute drive. And um, well, isn't so, that kind of the theme of Central Oregon? I mean, go pick a direction on a compass, drive two hours, and you're in a world away than you oh, would yeah. have been if you went 180 degrees a couple hours in the opposite direction. Yep. Yeah, I exactly. mean, if Mount Hood, you can you can drive two hours and have a world class alpine climbing experience on Mount Hood, and you can drive two hours in another ex, uh, direction and be on the Oahe River and have a world class river trip. How lucky are we, dude? <laughs> so let yeah, it's a, it's unbelievable, it's and I, I don't think people maybe focus on that enough well and you know, you know? To, to me that really just comes down to that place about you know the opportunity that we all have i think to be grateful is in front of us every day yeah and it's really just oh, up yeah. to us as individuals as far as how we see how lucky we yeah. we are or, or can be yeah yeah, yeah. although it's funny because people will you know it probably takes me about 40 45 minutes to uh -huh. get to bachelor from my house uh -huh. but it takes me 45 minutes to get to Primeville as well, totally. right? But somehow my brain thinks yeah. the Bachelor as closer right. than Primeville. But so it's it's like thinking about it differently, yeah. right? I mean, I can be at the trails, the new trail system in Madras in 45 minutes. But yeah. people, literally, people write code all the time when I suggest the Madras trails because the Madras trails are one of the few places you can ride an e-bike on single oh, track interesting. here. And just because of the land manager yeah. and they're, um, you know, they're fine with e-bikes there. And so... You know, but when I tell people that, they're like, "I'm not going to Madras." Yeah. Like, well, so far away. <laughs> I know you're yeah. lost. It's pretty cool up there. So, right. yeah, you know, yeah, I, I've I've experienced that a lot. It's like, it's 20 minutes away. Well, yeah. and, and you know, and here I go, like you know, Dan, blah blah blah. No, Anyways, no, no, no. Um, but you know, when I when I talk to other shops or or get to learn about other areas that are similar to Bend, whether it's Moab or Crested Butte or Bellingham or wherever, the vast majority of these communities that are really known as being like-minded and outdoor or ha in theory have similar access to what we have in Bend, most places really don't. Even some of the most highly, you know, highly recognizable areas in the United States where people say, oh, it's a great outdoor town. Well, the majority of those people, yeah, they've got trails, but they're 20 miles away. Their mm -hmm. town is 30 miles away from this famous trailhead. Whereas here in Bend, for the most part, everything you're riding from your garage. It's, it, it, yeah, it's let's a be little, honest. It's a little ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, maybe we should do a traverse every trail challenge, and we challenge people to spend a year and try to hit every trail there we you have. Go. Yeah, and then they'll realize how incredibly. Yeah. Huge you know what? That would be a that would be a. <laughs> see, now I'm going to do one. Yeah. That would be a badass idea for Coda. <laughs> is that you could tell people, hey, Strava every ride. Yeah. See if you can ride every trail that Coda actually there you go. has ownership of. Yep. And at the end of the year, we'll give you a button. 
That would be, I, yeah, actually. Yeah, and a sticker. Sweet and a, come on, a sticker, How too. about a mouse pad? Yeah, Somebody mouse write pad. that down. We'll give you some. Yeah. yeah. A hat. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we all love a challenge here. Oh, right. Yeah, I, you think? I only had to ride 700 miles, miles of single track uh-huh. last year, and I got a sticker. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we'll think on the sticker thing. Right, right. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, very fun. Um Couple things, Dan. Yes, uh, it, it has been talked about that you uh, pride yourself on your trivia knowledge of movies oh, and music. Oh, yeah, dude. I'm sorry. This is just I, fun. I, I don't this know if I fun. pride myself on it as much as well, it is just like the bane of my existence. Yeah. It's, well, I mean, it means you have a steel trap for a brain. Uh, so sure. here we go. Uh, and and there's these questions are by design. Okay. Okay. Cool. This is a quote from a movie, and yeah. and you need to answer it. Okay. You're five foot nothing, hundred and nothing, and you have nearly a speck of athletic ability. Oh, that's Rudy. That's right. That's correct. Well Rudy. done. It's my, even, it's my hometown. That way, exactly. Like South Bend, yeah, Indiana. South Bend, Indiana. That's why I chose it. What and, is the movie, though? It's oh, about Rudy Rudiger. He was a walk-on for Notre Dame back in the oh. 60s, 50s, maybe? I think it was oh. 70s. But he was the kid who, yeah. he, 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 he had very little ability, very small, wasn't- You've you know, never seen Rudy? It's literally just named Rudy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I've it's, never it, even it, heard it's, of it. It's a, it's a true story. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's a must watch. Maybe yeah. we'll watch it. It's a rite of passage. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it really Makes is. me think of Eddie the Eagle. Uh, it's very, it's on the f- same Kind of in yeah. that vein. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was hoping to get you, stump you a little bit, but you just like yeah. grease that one. Sure. Uh, Sean Austin, who plays Rudy. Yeah. This is a little trivia fact for you guys. Okay. His mother... Anne Marie Price, aka Patty Duke, was my next door neighbor growing up. What? Yeah. So every once in a while, you know, Sean Austin at that point, Rudy yeah. or um, what Mikey from the Goonies, right? Yeah. yeah. Would come visit his mom in North Idaho. Well, that was before Sweet. the Goonies, but yeah. he's still, you know. So there's Rudy. Yeah, there's yeah. Rudy. He's he's a nice guy. I met him a couple times. There you go. Yeah. Yep. All right, Dave Matthews fan. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's see how much of a fan you really are, my friend. Okay. What year were they formed? Ninety-one. Damn. <laughs> Not even. <laughs> I'm glad I don't have a reputation for dumb. All right. Stuff. Uh, <laughs> how many current band members? Uh, they set. Uh... He's counting everybody. They're either six or seven. Let's see, Buddy Dave. Yeah. Yeah, you, you're probably. I, I probably trust you Two now hours. more than Google, especially after yeah, right. Emmy's. Uh, <laughs> there's, there's six. Yeah, I found nine, but I'm gonna say six. Okay, so you're two for two. All right. Uh, how many total albums, studio and live combined? Oh God, are they in the fifties? Twenty-six. No, there's there's way more than that. Seventeen live, nine. Really? Seventeen. Seventeen live, nine studio, and there's a bunch yeah. of like compilations, yeah. but different you know so that, that doesn't include their live tracks no right yeah live I'm thinking, albums i'm right? thinking albums yeah. is not really a relevant because they're because they're live tracks <laughs> yeah what are albums <laughs> right yeah those are things that Have old people buy an album right and kids don't quite understand my my wife um to her defense would like to get a new car her car runs great but it has a tape deck and my 
I don't think any of my kids, my oldest no. being 14, have ever even seen a tape. No, I love the yeah. 8-track converter to yeah. the cassette. That was one of my favorite accessories. There you go. So, yeah. Love it. All right, Emmy, your turn. Uh-oh. Uh, trivia? <laughs> uh, less trivia, more just your opportunity, I thought, to maybe uh, share some practical knowledge with the mountain bike community listening. Um, I would like you to lay down some basic mountain bike etiquette, such as if Ooh. you're climbing and someone's descending talk about who has the right away okay great yeah so for two bikes meeting the person going downhill should yield to the person coming uphill for the very practical reason that the person coming uphill is working much harder to stay on their bike and keep cranking those pedals so wait a minute wait a minute whoa, so you mean if whoa. i'm you mean if i'm going so fast downhill and having so much fun i have to stop because someone's you do i'm so sorry but you, you could know what go ride that is you me? could go ride like tyler's is one way down you're going to cruise that the trail whole is way so fun. yeah there Holy you go smoke. so so find find a one wayer yeah. if you don't want to have to yield to people okay. and play careful in places like South Fork where you might find hikers hiking up yeah. and you know even if you're not going that fast they think you're going way fast yeah you so know that- definitely yield to hikers and horses all the time and for horses a little tip is just as soon as you see them start talking. Because if the horse realizes you're a person, it will be less afraid. So just huh. call out to the horse folks like, hey, having a good day. Like, yeah. yeah. And yeah. I typically just ask them what would make their horse feel comfortable, yeah. how we would best pass yeah. um, so that they can give me some because the yeah. horses are all different. So Yeah, that you know, you, t- you bring up a really good point that I thought about trying to integrate into this conversation, but it seemed like it might go a little long, which is other trail users. And your and Coda's relationship with them, and I know that there's other organizations that are kind of echo what Coda does, but for different types of trail users. Would mm-hmm, you agree mm-hmm. with that? Yeah, I yeah. would like. I mean, that's actually really worth going into for just a sec. Yeah, let's like, do it. So we are really getting to a place in Central Oregon, and I think other places as well, where we are f- formally forming these coalitions of different user groups, and it's not just trail users. Although we do have, so here we have. You know, the Nordic ski people, we have the running club, we have several equestrian groups, we have snowmobile groups, we have, God, I'm probably forgetting a whole bunch, but like... The snowmobile equestrian group, the, the <laughs> equestrian snowmobile group. Yes, and we all have formed, well, there's a collaborative for the Ochakos, there's a collaborative for the, the Chutes National Forest, and then there's potentially there's a few of us groups working together kind of informally in the sisters area for the sisters ranger district but that may get more formalized so these coalitions are now really coming together and trying to sort of solve problems together and look at the issues and we're even we you know we include central oregon land watch and different groups that are not necessarily recreational but they're also dealing with the stewardship of our public lands and our forest resources and things so we're really that is becoming great and just the simple act of convening all of us together and we know the different leaders in the different groups and if something happens i can pick up the phone and call this person because we have a personal relationship now and then we can solve these problems together it's time consuming it definitely takes a lot of time to get to know each other and build trust and get to a point where we can co-act and agree on the goals but um it it seems to be working really well. It has worked really well and already borne a lot of fruit in the Ochakos. That's cool. So yeah, it's we're we're definitely doing that. So. Wonderful. 
And just extend that work by being nice to other people oh, on the trail. Just be kind. <laughs> yeah. Just be just nice. Be yeah. thoughtful. Yeah. Give them a big hello. I let all of my sort of old Ben friends that I ride with are like, hello, when they see people on the trail. So yeah. don't be that person that just doesn't, doesn't even make eye anything. contact or I know, say it's hi. It's so true. So. That also applies like, you know, in the river, at the skate park. In there the, you go. You know, like in, yeah. the, in the grocery store, <laughs> at the parking lot. Just be cool. Say hi. Yeah. 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 All right. Just treat everywhere you go like a big cocktail party where you want to get to know people. Yeah. Right. So. Okay. Speaking of getting to know and I'm going to ask uh, you guys a couple questions. Uh, full suspension, hardtail, or full rigid, Emmy? One of each. What? Yeah. Okay. Sorry. True. That's, you yeah, gotta have a quiver. That, yeah, you are. I mean, <laughs> I shouldn't expect anything else from you. No. Yeah. The, Dan. Uh, just just one full suspension mountain bike at home and my $60 commuter. There you go, buddy. There you go. Okay. Yeah. See, that's almost one of each. Uh, well, I can answer this one for Emmy. 29er or 27.5? Both. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> Actually, I've gone all 29. Not I think I'm all 29 nope. now. All right, Dan. Uh, just two nine. There you go. Yeah, I I got my son his first mountain bike yesterday. I found a used one on Craigslist, and it's a twenty seven five, and he's so pumped. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's Don't let anybody tell you you got to get a fancy bike. No to way, go man. Ride. Especially in this town. No offense, because I guess it does take away business no. from you. But there is such a good collection of used gear. Yep. Holy smoke. It's like, buying. oh, it's you, you get into it, right? Yeah. And then you'll want what Pine Mountain's offering. I so know. Get it's into so it on true. any bike you can get your hands there on. You and then <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. All right. Two by 10, one by 11, or single speed? Not single speed. I can't, mm. I can't do that. But other than that, I'm fine with whatever. Okay. Just, just yeah. a good derailleur in working right. order. Yep. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, climb or descend? climb honestly i I climb to descend there you go buddy (laughs) uh the best turns are turns earned absolutely yeah you know when i explain to people about skinning Uh uh-huh i tell them i'm like yeah you know for every hour you climb you get to descend a minute Uh uh-huh yep oh my god backcountry (laughs) but man it's a fun 60 seconds and i'm like man it's so worth (laughs) it (laughs) so hard that totally checks out that makes sense wait (laughs) okay race or recreation Recreation. Oh, yeah. Exploration, I would actually say. Perfect yeah. answer. Ever race? Yeah. I yeah. think I've been in two races in yeah. my life. Yep. Okay. Uh, 24-hour event or century event? The only two races I've ever done were the 24-hour race. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. 24. Um, <laughs> I've done 24-hour races as teams. Yeah. And uh, I attempted a 100 and didn't quite get that far. Was it the High Cascade? Yeah. I've done that five times. You finished it. I won it in the Clydesdales one year. What? Yeah. Oh, sh- come That's on. Awesome. Come on now. Yeah. It's always so hot Dude, when they do like, it. It's- and here's that you want a quick story on that? Of course I do. So uh, Jimmy Clark. Yeah. Uh, he is a you know lifelong buddy of mine. And I had been like, I got pretty motivated to do well in that event one year. And the week before he, he offered, hey, do you want to do, will you be my partner for the 24 hour? And I and it was literally seven days before the 100, so I was kind of tapering my training, right. and uh, uh, yeah, I'll do it, man. What, what the hell? And we end up doing very well. You know, I think between the two of us, we we put in. I did, I think, twelve, eleven or twelve laps, Oops. and he did ten. And you know, we 
we were riding and yeah. we just got into a rhythm, you know, and it was a great weather that year. And, and then the next week was the 100. <laughs> But that they're like that this year. That oh. effort that I had put out that week, and then I just like basically like got on my bike and spun every day. Just yeah. it was like the perfect kind of tapering into my training, oh, which kind of went against everything I was on paper. But man, it worked out really good. It was a fun event. I I haven't done it in a while because the last time I did it, my hub exploded at mile eighty, mm. and I just I had a I had a hissy fit and out in the woods. I may or may not have thrown Too my bad. bike into a tree. He did. He did. Yeah. Uh, wonderful. Uh, last question. Favorite favorite thing to do uh, post epic ride with your pals. Go out to dinner. Nice. Yeah, food's always good. Dinner and beer. You know, you know. I I gotta admit, regardless if it's biking or surfing or skiing or whatever, I've really learned over the years that, for me, I love the activity. Yeah, you know that that's I think one of the things that I was born with was whenever somebody says, "Hey, do you want it?" Yep. Hey, would you, would you, <laughs> you like to? Show up, we're, we're thinking about going. Yep. Yeah. You know, have you ever thought it? Yep. I'm in. Let's go. Yeah. But the, that's true. You were one of the first people to read like. Like really get back to me with enthusiasm about this project. Yeah, let's do this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you know, because you're gonna learn something, you're gonna gain something out of it. But when it comes to activities, I gotta admit the biggest thing that I've learned about it is that it's not actually the activity; it's the time with friends. Yeah, you know, for whether, sure. whether you're skinning, whether you're descending, whether you're hey, check out this little video I made, whether it's dinner afterwards yeah. or whatever it is. I really do find that the true value for myself isn't in doing my favorite loop or doing a big climb and a fun descent. It's literally just the time that I get to spend with the people that I'm doing it with. That to me is, that's the reward. Yeah. Well said, my friend. Thanks. Well said. Great. Um, where do you guys see your respective businesses, organization in the, the next five years? Five years from now, 2026. You should go. Hopefully we'll have a few more staff yeah. and a, Half a million dollar a year budget. And, 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 <laughs> you know, in, briefly, what will it take for you, for Coda to get to, to that, those goals? What will it take? More, more people involved. Yeah, I think we're on the track. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just, you know, I've learned, in, especially in nonprofits, you can't measure things in like what happened this week or this right. month. You got to look six, 12, 18 months for progress. That's how you see progress, right? Yeah. So it's Trends. just, yeah, but I yeah. think we just keep doing what we're doing. We've gone from 500 members to 2000 members in the last five years. Nice. So just keep really, you guys are 2000 members. Yeah. Oh, that's uh -huh. We just passed. That's so you got one more this yeah. week. Oh yeah. Yeah. Did you join? I did. Oh did yeah, you, you did. Yeah. Did I email you and say thank you? You did. You're <laughs> awesome. Yeah. That was Good. fun. I got a personal email. <laughs> there so go. there you have it. Yeah. If you if you join, you'll get Emmy's. If you email join address. and say you yeah. heard it on the Circling Podcast, uh -huh. I'll give you. I'll send you a special sticker. There yeah, <laughs> a shield for your walking <laughs> right? stick. Yeah. Um, wonderful. So I. Oh, Dan, I never gave you an opportunity to to talk. Oh, five years. Five years from now, Pine Mountain, more well, of the same. You know, quite honestly, um, it's really simple. Um, yeah. I want to see us continue to being a resource to the community. I want to see us continue to be able to have a great crew build a great family inside of Pine Mountain yeah, and, and ultimately take care of those people, um, help them do what they want to do. Um, but you know, in the big pictures of things, man, we're just, I do, I think about, you know, growing up in South Bend, Indiana and, you know, here I am hanging out in one of the coolest towns maybe in the country. Every day I wake up, I split my blinds open, take a little peek outside. And the first word goes through my head, 
I'm stoked. There you go. You know, so I, I'm just happy to be here. Yeah. Well, I, w- I would say the way you live your life uh, is a testimony to that, buddy. Thanks. So that, that Thank that's you. called integrity. Thank you. Um, all right. We're closing here. Lastly, uh, I, in, in researching for this interview, I came across a project by a, a, a guy who used to live in Bend, but no longer does. His name is Joshua Langless. Mm-hmm. Uh, you met with Joshua, Dan, uh, almost damn near four years ago to the day. Yep. So uh, June 26, 2017, he interviewed you for a project he was working on called A Community Thread. Uh, that project is still available online, and I would encourage people to look at it. It is found at acommunitythread.com. He's got some amazing stories and photography uh, representing more of what we're talking about today. Um, Josh uh, uh, is relocated back to the East Coast, but I, I talked to him yesterday. I tracked him down and, and talked to him out in Maine and told him that I felt his peace with you was almost more relevant now than it was four years ago. Okay. And I thought it would be kind of a cool way to to conclude our conversation today. If, if I either just ask you a couple of those questions from that interview. Sure. Uh, uh, and maybe you can, I, I, maybe you can read the answer that you gave then. Does okay. That, does that sound of interest or would you rather just me talk? No, just, just fire the questions away. Okay. You know, let's see how much of my answers have changed. The wonderful. Uh, what does community mean to you, Dan? Uh, to, to me, it's everything. Um, and that's, that's a really ambiguous answer, but it is, who are we, you know, not just who am I and who are my, who's my family and who are my friends, but who, who central Oregon as a community, what are our values? You know, we, we continue to see growth, more and more people moving here, you know, and I can sit there with the best of them in bend and say, I remember when, and you can fill in a million things past that. And it's great to have those memories and talk about the way things used to be. And that's reminiscing, but that's not going to help establish who we are today or who we are in the future as a community, as a whole. And that's that challenge. Trust me. I mean, I get it. There's growth roundabouts, you know, driving over here. I was like, is there really a place in Bend I can drive to that's going to take me 21 minutes to get there from where I am in Bend? Before that seemed impossible. Bend couldn't take Jamo in there knows exactly what I'm talking about. Everything was five minutes yeah. away. But the big message that we like to put out there is that if you want something to be instilled in the bank community, maybe the way that something was or something that isn't, the only way to get it done, it starts with each and every one of us. You got to be kind. You know, you want great trail stewards. You want great people out there interacting with different trail users. Well, we can talk to people about what they're doing, but ultimately the best thing we can do is set the example of who we are. So when it comes to our community in a big picture, it's still that same message. You know, there's been that moniker for a long, long time or that messaging about think globally, act locally. And the best way that you can keep Bend and Central Oregon the way that you want it to be is be it. Show that example. Hold the door. Let somebody go in front of you at the line at Safeway. Be patient with somebody who's not used to using a roundabout. You know, God forbid, stop on the downhill trail for somebody and tell them to have a great day (laughs) instead of having to yell at somebody about what they're supposed to do. Riding through the bushes. Yeah. You know, set those (laughs) examples. It's little tiny stuff. But ultimately, you know, like I said earlier, the best thing you can do is just give and be kind. You know, there are, I love this saying, there are good people in our community every day doing great things. 
And that term great, it can be as simple as holding a door. It can be as simple as volunteering some hours. It can also be as simple as, you know, pulling out a credit card and donating 20 bucks to whatever organization you believe is helping somebody else. It's not really about what's in it for me. It's more so what's in it for us. And that's, that's everything. To me, that's really what community is, is, you know, not a lot of people are actually born and raised in Bend unless you're less than 15 years old. Who do you want us to be? You're here because there was something about Central Oregon that attracted you. And chances are it had to do something with either the accessibility of the outdoors or the ability to participate in a community where either a small group of or an individual could actually make a difference. You got to believe that. You got to believe that Central Oregon really is a collection of who's here, what we stand for, what our values are. Be cool. Be kind. Participate. It'll, it goes a million miles. Well said, buddy. Thanks. Well Thanks. said. You guys, so much fun. Thanks yeah. for your time. And this is rad. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm excited. Yeah. Uh, um, I, this, I think this is the beginning of two new friendships. Sweet. Absolutely. All right. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks for joining us. This was the first episode of the Circling Podcast. Please stay connected as new episodes will be posted in the very near future. The theme song was performed by Aaron Cole Baker and Dr. Aaron Zerflug. We love mail, so please send us comments and questions to thecirclingpodcast at gmail.com. Please visit Dan and his world-class crew at Pine Mountain Sports on Century Drive or learn more at pinemountainsports.com. Also, go to codamtb.org and get involved with Emmy and the rest of the CODA crew. Just like our community, the MTB trails rely on all of us. Ben Magazine's A Circling Podcast is proud to be in collaboration with Storybooth. Storybooth is designed to redefine the experience of creating, remembering, and sharing the meaningful moments in life. Storybooth exists to take advantage of the moment by creating a shared storytelling experience. Visit storyboothexperience.com to learn more and see how Storybooth makes fun weddings more fun and lame weddings less lame.